Hello everybody, it's episode 33 of the Panelized Prefab Kit Home Building Show. With me in studio is the president and founder of Landmark Home and Land Company, a company which has been helping people build their new homes where they want, exactly as they want, across the nation and worldwide since 1993, Steve Tuma. Steve, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. Fantastic. It's always a good day in Landmark Home and Land Company land. <laughs> we're, we're helping people come up with some cool ideas on how to get their home. Yeah. So, uh, Steve, today I wanted to bring up a, a subject that seems to be on the minds of a whole lot of people on social media, in magazines, at, at coffee houses, and, and that's the subject of tiny houses. Now, people seem to be downsizing their lives all over the place, their cars, their, their stuff, really, and now this phenomenon known as the tiny house so if you will uh, tell our listeners what the heck is a tiny house well a tiny home's kind of an interesting concept that uh, evolved i think after the economic crash in 08 and 09 where people were building big houses and then suddenly you know financially the world had a huge amount of problems so suddenly it was go the other way instead of build a big mcmansion let's go build a, a tiny home so the concept being that, hey, do we really need 8,000 square feet, 14 garages, you know, 12 <laughs> bedrooms, you know, things like that. And, you know, what what's the reality of what you need? So the kind of the pendulum swung the all other way to like, hey, let's live in 200 square foot homes. Right. So my my belief and from what I saw is that the concept came that there were a lot of people that weren't able to afford a home for financial reasons, loss of job, you know, variety of different situations that came up. So the concept came up of, hey, you know, I'll go move in the parents or my friend's yard. I'll just put a little house on a trailer mm -hmm. because I could get around zoning and building codes. Right. As long as the trailer has a license, you can live in it, just like if you had a motor home in your, in your driveway. So what happened is uh, people came up and started developing these tiny homes. It, it kind of sounded cool. It was in vogue. It was like, hey... You know, there there's financial issues. Let's go the other way. Let's build a little house. I'll live in 200 or 300 square feet. Mm -hmm. So what ends up happening with that is it sounds kind of cool, but imagine, you know, all your clothes in the closet and everything, and you're just cooking this killer garlic dinner, <laughs> and, it, and it gets through your whole 200 square foot home, and for the next week, your clothes smell like garlic. So there there's, there's, the, there's the neat idea behind it, and then there's the... Okay, as as this, as it settles and people get into it, the the reality of this of you can't really put a husband and wife, two kids and a dog in two in two hundred square feet. Mm -hmm. So sometimes these homes get a little bit bigger. So I think now they kind of consider tiny homes less than eight hundred or or a, a thousand square feet. Right. So in that evolution of this, where they started having a uh, a lot of people. Uh, putting these secondary houses like on trailers in their backyard, people are like, hey, wait a second. You know, neighbors are looking over the fence saying, is there a septic in that tiny home? Where's their water? Why suddenly are there 12 people at this house? You know, so the 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 zoning, um, you know, and building departments and communities kind of started pushing to where they have to regulate it. So sometimes what, what it's evolved to is, uh, you know, where yeah, some communities will allow smaller homes. So mm -hmm. if you check with building departments, a lot of them will have a minimum of 900 or 1,000 square feet. Right. So in a lot of these places, they won't allow them. But there are communities, I think, that are being developed in certain parts of the country 
that are, are helping with this. And I think some of the community development programs are actually coming through to help uh, people that are getting back on their feet or vets or different types of people to to go through and, and give them a leg up in a nice, comfortable, efficient home so that it's easier for them to, to get going and, and back into their life. So the tiny home has is, is been, in my opinion, a, a result of the economic crash in, in the late 2000s. Of course, tiny homes have been around forever. Way, way back, you would see smaller homes, but they weren't two, 300 square feet. Right. So uh, it's, it's an interesting evolution. So now as the pendulum swinging back, it's a little bit of the reality check of, hey, you know, can, can my bed really be my desk, really be my drawing board, really be my cooking surface? Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's kind of hard to work in, in all of those areas and, and really have it put together and as codes catch up with all these things. I, I think the tiny home is evolving to a smaller home, you know, mm-hmm. 500, 600, 700 square feet instead of the two or 300 square foot home. Right. What people have to realize with the tiny homes is they're very cool. It's a nice concept. But to plumb a one-bath tiny home that's 200 square feet probably costs the same as doing it in a 1,000-square-foot home. So the cost for a smaller home gets very expensive. Um, They might say, hey, it's only $50,000. But if you say, okay, it's 200 square feet, that's a lot of money per square square foot. So there's a a little bit of a balancing going on. But we're able to help people with uh, tiny homes, tiny home design, or smaller home to to make it a, uh, a workable project. So do you find you're doing a lot more of those, those type of builds? We're getting involved with more projects. They're not the two and 300 square foot. Mm-hmm. They're the six, 700 square foot situation for, uh, for starter homes, community redevelopment with, you know, some, some community governments. Um, there are some private investors that are working in, in different projects to, you know, allow housing like this because there's, you know, United States is an incredible country and, you know, there's big cities, little cities, there's cities that are, you know, hanging on some of that are re, you know, are experiencing or rebirth. And then others go through times where there's a, you know, temporary large demand, you know, pipelines are being built or whatever is going on. Mm-hmm. So, so they need, you know, kind of a simple house uh, for it. So it really varies by, the the economic base of of what's happening in an area but the reality is you could do a tiny home in a in an area where there's a factory where someone lives there during the week and goes home on weekends or people just want a little lake house they they don't want the big house but they want little ones um, right. or if people have land say say someone's family has 10 acres somewhere and you know they they want to live by their parents or bring their parents back to them they could stick stick a a home on the land. So there's a lot of reasons for it. It's, it's not just economic, it's family support. It's, it's, you know, temporary housing, what, whatever it may be. And a lot of people are using them for the, for the short-term rentals as well. Uh, so that would be, that would fall under, like if you, uh, you were to add an additional pro additional structure to your home like, like what's the difference between an ADU, a guest house or, or what people are calling a granny flat. In a sense, they're kind of the same word, ADU, guest house, and, and granny flat. It's kind of, a, ADU is additional dwelling unit. Mm-hmm. So you could call that a granny flat if your grandma was going to live there, <laughs> a guest house if it's just for, for guests that's coming through. So it's kind of different words for the same thing, but that would be an additional unit. So in certain parts of the country, it's normal to have a guest house. Mm-hmm. 
it's normal to have a uh, um, a space, or a lot of people are doing it for uh, short-term rentals, and a lot of communities are getting into it because they're just so expensive that before they would not allow an additional dwelling unit on a lot, but then they realize that, hey, they have to take care of affordable housing. Mm-hmm. So a lot of areas are now saying, hey, we'll, we'll give you the ability to put a home up to a certain size on your lot so that then they they can offer affordable housing because what's happening in some of these communities people have to make 2 300 thousand dollars to live there well meanwhile the support of the community what really allows a community to survive are a lot of lower paying jobs so those people can't commute 2 and 3 hours you know so it, it's good to have a blend of people in the community right now what about uh, zoning restrictions i mean how do i go about adding another living unit onto my land as opposed to say a a small shop or something well something like that you've got to talk to the building department you've got to go through and find out if there are restrictions to build a second unit if there are size restrictions location restrictions does the land have to be a certain size does it have to have its own water and sewer connections so the place to start is the zoning and building department to go see what is available so that everything can uh you, you you can make sure you're putting something together because sometimes there's restrictions on lot size, lot location, um, mm-hmm. what is currently on the land, um, geotechnical situation, septic systems, things like that. So zoning department's the first place to start. And that would be where I would go to decide or to figure out what the, what the size restrictions might be of the building I, or the structure I want to put up on my land. Right. And in general, in some areas, they'll, they'll go through and some areas will say, hey, it's a certain size. It's 1,200 square feet maximum or 900, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. But others will get into percentages of the existing home. Mm-hmm. And what a lot of these places will also do is restrict that you must have a main home first. You can't do the ADU first. Oh, so right, right. Yeah, yeah, so if you're going to build two homes, you know, the main home and then the, the ADU later, they, they generally won't let you do the ADU and then the house. Right. So there there's little things. But we, you know, at Landmark, we can, we can help people kind of navigate the waters and, and understand what's going on. Well, let's say you're building a granny flat or a, a guest house and... Um, what about bathrooms and kitchens? Can these can these things have kitchens? Well, that's the interesting part. Some areas restrict it because the zoning will be for one family. Uh-huh. And that's why you have to talk to your zoning department. So sometimes they'll go through and they'll allow zoning where only one family can live. So they don't want this ADU or granny unit to have a separate kitchen. A kitchen is generally defined by does it have a stove or doesn't it? Mm-hmm. So what people will find is a lot of these granny flats have very big wet bars, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, or, or, you know, you can still, you can put a little mic- refrigerator in there and they're called offices a or microwave studios <laughs> and, and things like that. So you, you've really got to, got to check it out because some, sometimes these homes are, are literally, you know, with a lot of people telecommuting with, mm-hmm. with the internet and everything going on, the these secondary buildings are literally second offices or studios or or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. Um, so in some cases they are just a, some people want to work in a separate area than their actual home. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's IRS reasons. Other times it's just per, you know just the way they work. So that that's the key on understanding the zoning is what is the quote intent. Mm-hmm. 
So if the intent is to go out there and have a, uh, you know, a secondary office above a garage or something like that, you can, uh, you, you can generally work through that. And there are limitations or different considerations on if it's attached or unattached to the home. Right. And back in the day, you'd see those old black and white TV shows where people would get kicked out of their rooms because they were using a hot plate. Remember? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there, there, there's certain reasonableness to it, I guess, is what they're after. I wonder how many homes were burned to the ground because of hot plates being left on. Mm-hmm. So what about uh, design limitations to a smaller home? What have you run into regarding that? Well, the the nature of smaller homes is there's less space. Mm-hmm. So an, an interesting comment, and it, it's very justified, is someone says, well, can't you just take my my 800-square-foot home and push a magic button and shrink it to 300 square feet? Mm-hmm. And the theory of that is right, but the thing is, whether you have a mini home or a regular home, there's certain sizes of space that you need around toilets and hallways and windows for ventilation and also for egress. So you've got to consider all those details. And that that's the biggest point is you still have to follow the codes Mm -hmm. just because you only have 200 square feet and there's no space for, you know, some safety consideration doesn't mean they're going to let you build it. They, They still want to make sure that it's safe. And I think people still have to realize that that the cost element is there. It's kind of like the gallon of milk. A gallon is say three dollars. A half gallon's two fifty. So in in building the the smaller home, you're you're going to end up with an unproportionate cost. Uh, uh, but you know the dollars will be less, but the cost like per square foot will go up. But but on design elements, it's just you've got limited space. If someone thinks they're going to put a, a master suite, a bathroom, walk-in shower, kitchen, dining room, and 300 square feet, mm-hmm. they'd really have to work on the design to make sure that you know each square foot has multiple, multiple uses. Right, right. Um, so you, you can get a little creative. And then what I always tell people on the projects is, are you doing this just because it's a cool thing? Or are you doing this thinking about the reality of the space you're going to have? <laughs> right. You know, if you want to stretch out while you're watching TV, if you want to have a friend over, if you're, you know, just, just the actual, um, you know, space. So, but the actual design, you can make it look like a Gothic home. You could make it look like a simple house. You can make it look modern, contemporary, whatever, whatever it would be. The actual design capabilities are are fully there. Mm. Now, what about uh, attaching an additional living space to an existing home, like by a by a breezeway? Let's say is that is that considered a separate home, or it really depends by the building department, mm. and it it kind of depends on the selective enforcement and how they choose to interpret it. Some will say, "Hey, if if you take." A, a separate build, you know, a main home, say you have a 2,000 square foot main home and a 400 square foot ADU, they're going to say that's two different buildings. But some building departments, if you attach it by a breezeway, consider it to be the main home. Mm, got it. So sometimes building departments will allow that, sometimes they won't. But it's it's something that you really want to check out because sometimes what people may not realize is if the original home it was three bedrooms and designed for the septic. If it has one was designed for three bedrooms and suddenly you go add this ADU, which has another bedroom and you add another one or two people to it. Mm-hmm. You've got to realize that there's other little catches there to, to make sure that you, you don't create a problem down the road. Right. Of course. Um, and that that's, that's where we can help people. But um, so some places they'll consider it an addition if you connect it by a breezeway. So, 
sometimes we run into situations where someone says a breezeway is just like a covered walkway. Other times it becomes a three season room, you know, where there's walls on both sides. So Mm -hmm. it is, you know, you you have the main home, a little artist studio, and then you've got an additional wing. So there, there's a lot of different ways to uh, to work through this, and it's basically a, a zoning issue. I would imagine that these uh, these structures, um, additional structures on property, could provide a if you crunch the numbers, provide affordable housing to a community overall. Well, that's that's the key element, and I think why the tiny home, the ADU, you know, granny units are becoming more important is it's just expensive. Mm-hmm. It's expensive to live places and and get a lot of these details. So it's not just the expense, it's also the availability of land. You know, certain parts of California, they've opened the door for ADUs where a couple of years ago they were kind of pushing it away. Mm-hmm. But in order to conform with, you know, national guidelines and having a certain amount of affordable ho- housing, suddenly they, they, they open it up. But the idea being, you know, Steve, if, if you're out there and, you know, say you had five acres in Iowa or something, and you wanted to build a home, you know, you're someone that is rebuilding their life or wants to downsize and simplify. Do you really need 5,000 square feet? Right. <laughs> you know, why not go with seven, eight, nine hundred, have something simple and travel or work in your yard or, or what, whatever it would be. So, um, yes, the, the affordable housing, because it's smaller is there, but it's also allowing people to have these ADUs and more dense populations where, where the land is very expensive, where someone at a more moderate pay level wouldn't be able to live. I've, no, I've, I've got friends, actual uh, people I know who are actually, you know, kind of well off and had pretty big houses. And then the kids move away, and then all of a sudden they find themselves in these huge houses. And, uh, and a lot of people that I know are just downsizing overall, and uh, I think that's kind of a cool thing. Right, and that that's where it is. So sometimes, you know, the idea of tiny home where it originally started at 200 square feet, 300, mm-hmm. basically something that would fit on a trailer you could pull behind a car or an SUV, it's kind of evolved in this four, five, six, seven, eight hundred square feet because a couple of people could live in that. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if you have a properly designed home, you could still have two bedrooms, a nice living room, sure, yeah. you know, in a place, and, and, and you could do it and not, not have it. So it's not just the freeing up of the money. It's the freeing up of your time. Mm-hmm. Your friend that you're you're talking about, if that person had a big house, you know, there's heating, there's cleaning, there's yard maintenance, there's stuff like that. Maybe they don't want to spend their time doing that anymore. Right. Yeah. They want to spend their time traveling, but they still want to have a, a home base. Mm-hmm. And that that's that's why people are doing it. So I, I brought up where it's kind of started with the, the economic crunch, but it's actually something where it's kind of hit a reset button for people saying, sure. why do I need this? Sure. You know? Yeah. So I and then this all comes back to what we always talk about, and that's how helpful Landmark Home and Land Company is when it comes to designing. Because talking to you, I might have a whole idea about what I might be able to uh, squeeze into a smaller structure, and uh, you might come to me and tell me, you know what? I think you can do better. I think you can get if you design it right, you can even get it uh, maybe an extra bedroom, something like that. Well, a properly designed home. That smaller square footage is actually more livable than a bigger home that isn't designed right. Right. <laughs> so you know, there's 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 kind of one of these things. You know, bigger bigger isn't always better. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but you know, so, so that, that's where we can work with it. So it's a, it's an enjoyment of life situation as well. Sweet. So well, uh, it's uh it's, it's something, Oh, let me bring something else up. Yeah. Um, a lot of people are doing these homes off the grid. Oh, yeah, They're putting yeah. solar panels, different different types of uh, situations so that they could sustain. And they're getting into some extremely unique building sites. I mean, just absolutely beautiful building sites. So mm-hmm. some of the idea behind that is, hey, if you're in a challenging or very pretty or unique area, you don't want to just go out and put some big block out there in the middle of a beautiful vista. You want to have something little that kind of blends in right. so, so you can let nature take into it. So... The uh, the idea of of building off the grid is also very important as it's less electric, it's less to heat, less to cool, mm-hmm. and it, and it's a very uh, you know environmentally friendly type of situation. Yeah, with the technology today, it's like more and more people are. It used to be if you were off the grid, you were considered a an antisocial hillbilly or something, and now it's like getting to be pretty common. Hey, I got to tell you, I've got a lot of people. They're not maybe a hundred percent off the grid. Mm-hmm. They're leaving the big populations and going to lower cost, higher quality mm. life uh, communities because now they can telecommute or, you know, there's all the video conferencing and everything sure. going on. So we have a few people that work for huge corporations that are leaving the huge metropolitan areas and going to places with a slower pace. It's it's a health, a, an attitude, a relaxation a clear mind, being able to think. It's mm-hmm. it's pretty interesting what what's going on. Well, we're going to wrap it up for this episode. Steve, you've been great uh, as as always. Ex, you know, answering our questions and explaining things in in great detail. So um, that's going to do it for the panelized prefab kit home building show. But before we go, uh, Steve, tell our listeners how they can learn more about Landmark Home and Land Company. The best thing to do is check our website out at lhlc.com. It's like the initials of Landmark Home Land Company. It's actually Landmark Home and Land Company, but lhlc.com. That's that's the best place. You could check out uh, Facebook, YouTube, Pinterest, Instagram. You could also give a call at 800-830-9788. I'll say that again. I said it a little fast. It's 800 830 and Mike will answer the phone. By the way, we do answer the phone. If for some reason you get voicemail, we will call back right away. We're very proactive in taking care of people. And uh, you can also uh, email Mike at Mike at LHLC.com or email me, Steve, at Landmark at LHLC.com. And like I say, we're we're on top of it. We're, we're going to communicate with you, help you through your process, get a good vision as to how we can help you achieve your housing goal and and move forward. Excellent. Well, there you go. So for Steve Tuma and myself, thanks for listening to the Panelized Prefab Kit Home Building Show, and we will see you next time. Well, thank you.